MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is All Angles, VEASAN's football betting podcast. Here is Matt Brown. Hello, and welcome to episode number 53 of All Angles, football betting podcast here on the VEASAN Podcast Network. I am Matt Brown, and this is Super Wild Card Week in the NFL. Six games, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. Let's get ready to rock with all of this. Let's start off on Saturday, 4.30 Eastern. This is the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. This is sitting two, two and a half in favor of the Browns on the road. 44 and a half is your total. This is indoors in Houston. So while we do have a couple of weather games this week, this will not be one of the games that is impacted by that. What we do have, though, is an injury report that is at least mildly interesting. On the Houston side of things, lots of guys that were limited practice on Thursday. Of course, that's their final injury report since they're playing on Saturday. So lots of guys that were limited on Thursday and listed as questionable. The only guy that's out is Jerry Hughes on the defensive line. But Will Anderson, Noah Brown, Malik Collins, Jonathan Grenard, Robert Woods, Andrew Beck, um, all of these dudes, Shelton Rankins, all listed as questionable for the Texans, all were limited practice participants on Thursday. So your guess is as good as mine. I expect the majority of them to play, but how much and to what extent? We've already seen Will Anderson be on a snap count for the Texans as it is anyway, so we will uh, we'll see about those guys on the defensive line, which obviously is pretty massive. Whenever you consider that the Texans last week, after having a pretty good run defense all season long, just got, got absolutely gashed on the ground by the Colts. Now, good thing that the Browns are coming to town. They've basically given up on their run game altogether, but who knows? Maybe if, this, uh, if there's a weakness there for the Texans, the Browns will go and try to exploit it. On their side of things, their kicker, Dustin Hopkins, is out, so they'll be going with the backup kicker yet again, and Grant Delpit was activated to come back off of IR, but uh, wasn't able to get game ready, so he is out for this one as well. On the questionable side of things, Mike Ford is questionable, Pierre Strong, Juan Thornhill, 
The real big one here is Denzel Ward, who was a full practice participant on Tuesday and Wednesday, but then out of nowhere, limited practice on Thursday. Typically not great to get downgraded throughout the course of the in the, in the middle of the week, but we'll see what happens with Denzel Ward. Obviously a massive part of their secondary, one of the better corners in the entire NFL. These two teams did play on Christmas Eve. It was a 36-22 Browns win over in Houston. Um, but for that game, C.J. Stroud was out. So it was Davis Mills in there. So Texans really never never really had a chance. Now, what, what happened, though, is this was kind of the Flacco breakout game. This was when they just decided, hey, we're just going to pass on everyone in this in this league. And so Flacco went for 368. Amari Cooper had 265 receiving yards in that game. So that was just a – they were able to just move the ball at will through the air against this Texas secondary. But if you look, I mean, this is no surprise. Like I said, the Browns do not run the ball. They don't care to run the ball. And they basically have let you know it at this point since Flacco took over. As their quarterback, they are leading the league in pass rate over expected. This is a team that is going to throw it 40-plus times in the game, almost guaranteed, unless they just get up massively in this game. They're going to put it in the air 40-plus times. Um, I put a Browns one and a half minus one and a half ticket in my account. I also put an over 43 and a half. It has moved all the way through the key ish number of 44 at this point. If I was, if I had to bet it, I would still only bet the over, but it's kind of moved out of, you know, through that 44 number now, which is a little, a little dicey to get involved. Reason being here is, is the Browns just play as the type of, the way that the Browns have adopted offense at this point is just very conducive to over games. Now I'd understand that that defense of theirs is very good. And that defense typically is going to prevent a ton of points being scored against them, but I'm actually not all that worried about that in a game where I need 44 points. I'm looking at a Browns team that I think I can fairly comfortably get them into the mid twenties, if not the high twenties in this game. And then I'm not asking very much in return from the Texans. And whenever you kind of look at the way that, the Browns offense is run since they pass so much. It extends games. It makes them longer. You know, the, the clock stops so often. And so there's a, a more opportunity for this thing to, to get into the over category as well. Um, and then if you look like it's just, let's talk about the four units on the field. What's the best of the four units on the field. The best of the four units on the field is the Browns defense. The Browns defense is what's going to travel over uh, to Houston, just like it did on Christmas Eve. And and even then that, I might add, I mean, yeah, there was some garbage time, but still, I mean, the Browns still scored 22 points. I mean, the uh, the, the Texans still scored 22 points on the Browns. That was with Davis Mills. But all in all, I think whenever you're asking me to cover a very, very small spread and, and under a field goal of a spread, the Browns, to me, are kind of a perfect opportunity to come in here against a Texan secondary that is as good as the Texans offense was and as surprising as the Texans offense was over the course of the season. Their secondary was equally surprising at just how bad it was. That was like really, really shocking to me because I thought they would be, I thought they would be at least league average considering, you know, you have Stingley in that secondary and all that, but they were, they were bottom third to bottom kind of seven, eight for the entire year. And so I, you know, they play the defense, just their weakness plays into right. What Cleveland wants to do, which is come in and just pass the ball all over the, all over the place. They rested their starters in week 18. So 
everyone's going to be healthy. Everyone's going to have been able to heal up from any of the little nicks and bruises and stuff along the way. Very admirable what D'Amico Ryans was able to do there with Houston, but I think Cleveland's newfound offense of Flacco just airing it all over the place, the rebirth of David and Joku to go against a pass defense that's you know 20th in the NFL in EPA per play allowed. It's just going to be it's just going to be too much. And the Browns are going to uh the Browns are going to move on in this thing. I, I another thing I would like to say that I I I focus on like second half and then like last four weeks as stuff that I'm really kind of handicapping here as we head into this week. I just want like I am looking at a team that is I'm trying to find a team that's not limping into the playoffs here, right? Like that's the other deal. So just whenever I'm kind of looking through, I'm also handicapping what a team looks like over the last month of the season, because, you know, some of these teams are coming in super injured, super beat up, or just playing like total garbage. And so full season stats aren't necessarily completely representative of what you're going to see out on the field. So just another thing to keep in mind here, if you're playing props this week, like I said, Flacco's going to throw it 40 times. So that's going to happen. Devin Singletary actually got every single running back carry in week 18 for the Texans. So if you're looking for something in that angle, if you're playing any sort of same game parlay, there's something that you could maybe look at there. It does. It seems like they have moved away from giving carries to, to anybody with Singletary at this point. If, if anything, maybe two or three carries or something like that are going to get siphoned off. It seems like Singletary has become their bell cow. The other Saturday game that we are looking at here is the Dolphins and the Chiefs. This is now four and a half in favor of the Chiefs. 43 to 43 and a half is the total that is available out there. I had a three and a half in my account on Sunday on the openers. If you guys watch the handle with me and Mike, with the caveat, I said, if the injury report goes against me, then I'm just going to get off of the bet. Well, the injury report came out for the Dolphins, and so I bought out of the bet because things just really... Uh, went against us with this Dolphins injury report because I was like, you know, listen, if this thing comes out clean, this thing could move, you know, to about to like two and a half. I'll have a really great ticket in my account with a three and a half. But that's not the case. Xavier Howard ruled out. Javon Holland, questionable. Raheem Mostert, questionable. Jalen Waddell, questionable. To go along with three different defensive starters that are already ruled out because they have, they have season-ending injuries. And so... It's just a horrible situation for the Dolphins as they have to limp into the playoffs here. Not to mention, this is one of the weather games. 10 degrees at kickoff. Yes, 10 degrees. It's only going to get colder throughout the course of the game and should end at about 1 or 0 degrees Fahrenheit. With the wind... We are talking a wind chill below zero that could equal into like negative teens. It's going to be miserable out there. It's going to be really, really cold and breezy. And what that does is, is, you know, listen, typically we're only worried about wind, but once you get into that bitter cold, the rock, the, you can, you, you can talk to these, the, the ball gets harder. It gets slicker. It's harder to hold on to. It's harder to kick. There's all kinds of different things once we get into these like ridiculously cold, like the, just the normal cold, like, hey, it sucks because it's in the 40s or the high 30s and all that. Like, it just sucks because it's cold. That's completely different than, than us talking about zero degrees and certainly different than us talking about negative teens when we're talking about windshield. 
So that can affect the scoring environment in this game for sure. So I don't understand why the total is still where it's at. I'm very inclined to play under the 43 and a half that's still available out there. Because I do believe that we are getting, I do believe that we're getting a game that it's going to be pretty difficult to score. And, and, and specifically, if Jalen Waddle can't go for whatever reason for the Dolphins, it's just, it's just a shell of what, you know, the offense is whenever both of those guys are out there. So just something to consider there. Um, no interest in the spread in this thing, really just looking at it under bet on the total. These two teams did play in Germany on November the 5th, but I wouldn't take that into your handicap at all. That was that really weird game. The chiefs won 21 to 14, but if you remember the chiefs, they scored all their, all 21 points in the first half. And that included defensive score. The dolphins scored all their points in the third quarter. It was just a very odd, weird game in which the Dolphins actually had the ball and were driving to tie it and then to a fumble to snap. Anyway, I took nothing from that game into this handicap. And honestly, I don't think you should either. There's just not, there was just not a lot to pull from, from that game. So kind of underlook for me here and then going to uh, just take it in and see how this Chiefs team actually, you know, looks after a week off because they, they also rested, rested their starters and see if they figured anything out on the offensive side of the ball because this Chiefs offense has been really atrocious over the course of the over the course of the entire season. And this defense has actually fallen off a little bit over the second half of the season. I would have loved to have put a, a fully healthy Miami team all day long on the other side of a field goal in my account. But with them coming in as beat up as they are, I just can't get there on that. So um the injury report breaks super, super favorable and all those questionable guys end up playing for Miami, then maybe a plus four and a half ticket is worth sticking in your account. I think it might be something I would play for, you know, whatever quarter unit, half a unit, something like that. Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. This is nine and a half or 10 in favor of the Bills at home. This is going to toggle between nine and a half and 10 all the way up to kickoff. We've seen it uh, happening already. This is our first Sunday game. And this is another weather game. These two teams didn't play during the regular season, if you're wondering. So nothing there. They did play in the preseason. So maybe a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of familiarity. But um, no no regular season game. But this one's going to have temperature in the 20s. There's going to be winds kind of 15 to 18 miles an hour. There's going to be gusts 25 to 30, maybe even a little bit more. That also affects the scoring environment. Tougher to pass, tougher to kick. Might forego kicking longer field goals. Might be more go for it on fourth down type situations in this game. We've seen a very run-heavy Bills team since Joe Brady took over as offensive coordinator. If you look, since Brady took over, James Cook is averaging nearly 17 attempts per game. Also averaged nearly four targets per game, and he doesn't run actual routes, so these are all just kind of swing passes and stuff out of the backfield, which is... Essentially just an extension of the run game. And so you get that from Cook, but now over the last couple of games, when it really mattered, games that the Bills had to win, when they had to go take it, Josh Allen has 27 rush attempts over the last two weeks. And I expect that to continue here in this game, not only because they won't, you know, this these are all must wins from here on out, but for the fact that the weather conditions might dictate that they have to run the ball more. 
Josh Allen's rushing Josh Allen's rushing prop in this game. Actually, like, we don't even have to worry about like this game, right? Let's let's talk about let's talk about Josh Allen's rushing props just where you can find I mean, where you can find it just across the industry. You can find his rushing number out there at 28 and as low Let's see 20 Oh, they've already Oh, they've juiced this up. Dang. Well, we were trying to find his rushing yards at uh at a reasonable number, but man, this thing has gone through the roof. I guess the the uh weather report has gotten to it. So it's up to 37 and a half. Even then, right? Even Josh even his rushing yards at 37 and a half. If we're thinking he's going to get 10 attempts, it's it's still an overplay. And if and if you think that he gets more than that given the conditions, it's it's still going to be more than that as well. I mean, even at the 37 and a half. I think it's an overplay on Josh on Josh Allen rushing yards. Um, the other thing to look at is if they do have to, when they do throw, and this would be more of a same game parlay type deal if you were trying to play that with this game. Since Gabe Davis went down, when Gabe Davis went down, Khalil Shakir ran routes on 84% of the snaps out there. So this is, he is the guy that is stepping up and getting the majority of the run. For this team on the Steelers side, they're starting Mason Rudolph. This is what we expected. It's they're the worst team in the playoffs, and yeah, that includes that includes the Bucks. Like this, they're the worst team in the playoffs. This as low as the total is, I know you would think that this would be a game in which, whenever you're talking about that, that a 36 total and a 10 point spread, like you you should just automatically take the points with the Steelers. But I can't get there. I, I think that there's a distinct possibility, especially given the conditions that we're talking about from a, from a weather standpoint. I mean, think about last week's game with the jets and the Patriots and everyone's like, Oh, the Patriots is especially in these conditions. There's no way that it was a 17 to three game. Like they covered easily. Could this possibly be, I mean, could this, could this be a, a, you know, whatever, a 20 to six game in favor of the bills? I mean, absolutely. could. 20 to seven. Yeah, of course it could. So just can't get there. With the Steelers, even with a super low total, I just can't find myself backing the Steelers here in this one. Um, definitely an in-game type game. If the Bills just if the Bills just look like they're going to dominate, they probably are just going to dominate this game. Might be a team that we just come in and pile in on as the game gets going. Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys, our second Sunday game here, 4.30 Eastern, seven points in favor of the Cowboys at home over the Packers, 50.5 is your total. Not often will you hear me advocate for an over with a total, in today's NFL, certainly, that begins with a five, but I actually really, really like the the over um, in this one, anything under 51. The Packers offense over the second half of the season has actually been very, very good. And Jordan Love has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL over the second half of the season since week 10. Jordan Love, if we're looking at like EPA plus CPOE composite, which is expected points added plus completion percentage over expected. Jordan Love is third in the NFL in that category since week 10. Pro Football Focus grades every play of every player of every week. Jordan Love is their third graded passer over the second half of the season from week 10 on. He's just been good. He figured it out. 
I was wrong. I thought the I thought the Packers were going to be in the quarterback market, and just not the, not has just not been the case. So pretty interesting there from that standpoint that you know Jordan Love has just been very good. I expect the Packers to move the ball and score some points on the Cowboys, and in return, as good as this Packers offense has been, the defense has been equally unimpressive. Like they have they have not been good. If we go, and I said like these teams that are kind of limping into the playoffs, well, not the offense, but from a defensive standpoint since week 14, so over the last month of the season, the last four games, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, if you count, if you count like week 18, yeah, however you want to go about that, because some of the teams didn't play hard and whatever, so you kind of take it with a grain of salt. But regardless, the Green Bay Packers are 27th in the NFL in defense EPA per play allowed. If you that same time frame since week 14, they are 26th in success rate allowed. Like the defense has just not been good. So the Cowboys are going to get theirs. Green Bay is going to get theirs. I like the over 50 and a half. I did play Green Bay at seven and a half, and mainly because I think that with what we're getting from an offensive perspective, they're just going to keep their foot on the gas. They're going to have to keep going. They're going to have to keep firing. And, and kind of the little dirty secret about this Cowboys defense is like as great as Micah Parsons is. They are, they are a defense that still can be had. They're just league average. They're just middle of the pack. If you like, you know, you start to shrink it down over the course of the second half of the season and you, and you, then you start and then you go, dunk, 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 get into like, okay, well, what about from week 12 on? What about from week 14 on? And you just find they, they, they live in the middle of the pack. They're not bad. They just live in the middle of the pack. Well, they're going to get a good, they're going to get a good offense in Green Bay coming to town. And Green Bay, I think, is going to be able to move the ball here a pretty good amount. If you're looking and, and Christian Watson can't play, Bo Melton, Dontavian Wicks getting really good amount of not only routes run, but targets their way as well. If you look, Melton, 71% of the snaps he ran routes in week 17, 74% of the snaps he ran routes in week 18. Dontavian Wicks in week 18 ran routes on 79% of snaps. So those are guys maybe you want to look at if you're looking for if you're looking for some sort of uh, props to play or same game parlays, or whatever, anything like that, like those guys are the guys that are that are picking up the slack for Watson not being in there. On the Cowboys side of things, Brandon Cooks stepped up here. It looks like he's the. It looks like he is actually the kind of the legit number two go to option here. Maybe a sneaky anytime touchdown play on Brandon Cooks. Um, it just they they have they just weren't able to find a true number two, and and they just went with the veteran. And it's, Cooks is now the guy that seems like he is, he's their true number two there for this Cowboys team. Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions. This is an expensive three in favor of the Lions. This is this has been between three and three and a half. Um, I expect it will probably continue to toggle there. This is our late night game on Sunday, so you would expect a decent amount of Detroit love to come in on this one. Of course, everyone still remembers Hard Knocks. Everyone loves Dan Campbell, biting kneecaps and all the different things like that. Of course, we also know Detroit hadn't been in the playoffs in, in a hot minute. So it's a 
it's going to be a team that that people want to back. It's going to be a team that certainly that the state will back in all of this. They did not meet during the regular season, so this is their first meeting this season. If you look, I mean, Lions offense, before I get to the fact that I'm on the Rams plus three and a half, like the Lions offense has been phenomenal. Their offensive line has been great. Um, between Frank Ragnow and Penae Sewell, they have two of the best offensive linemen at their respective positions there are in the NFL. Amon Ross St. Brown has just been phenomenal for them. But the reason I came in on the Rams in this thing is the, the loss of Sam Laporta, and I, I know it's not as of this recording, it's not official that Sam Laporta is out. What I can say is a couple of DNPs in a row, and the other thing is, is like even if he does play, it is it was a it was a bad knee injury. Even if he does play, it's going to be you know big time snap count stuff. Not being able to be out there every down, probably only like coming in in the red zone, different things like that. He can't be the chain mover that they used him for all season long. And I think that's a very, very big downgrade for this Lions offense. And, you know, not very often do you ever, actually probably never would you ever say that about a rookie tight end. But, I mean, listen, it's just, it. you look, when Goff needed to pick up those first downs, those third and sixes and those different things, like Laporta just came up big time and time and time again. It was, it scored a ton of touchdowns for them. And, yeah, those targets might go to Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown probably is a good is good for any over you want to put in on him this week. He was already getting 30% target share the last four weeks, as it is anyway. And unlike most times where I'll say, like, hey, just because person X is out doesn't necessarily mean the targets go to person Y. I do expect a decent amount of the Laporta targets to go to Amon Ross St. Brown. I just do. It's not there's not really someone to come in and just fill that role. I think you just have to kind of distribute them elsewhere. So in all of that, and as good as all that's been, I, 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 the loss of Laporta to me and on the other side of a field goal. And listen, I think you're going to see three and a half. So if you're, if you want the Rams, I would wait, I would wait on a three and a half. I think it's going to get there again, but this Rams team just weirdly enough. And, and, Trust me, when I say weirdly enough, I was not expecting what we got out of the, this Rams team this year. A league average defense, sometimes, it, and it points in the season, a, an above average defense. I thought it was going to be one of the three or four worst defenses in all the NFL. Matthew Stafford has just been absolutely dealing, absolutely humming. I don't have to tell you about Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams. You know how great they are to go along to kind of take some of the pressure off of Cooper, Cooper Cup as well. And you just have an offense that is that is just figured out a way to work. Sean McVay is just really good at getting at getting the most out of his guys. I mean, we're sitting here and talking about a team that if you like since since week 12, like when they really kind of, when it really seemed like, oh, wow, this, this, this Rams team is like, are they really going to do something here? Is fourth in the NFL in EPA per play since week 12 on the offensive side of the ball. They are behind only San Francisco, Dallas, and oh, by the way, Green Bay. But like, those are the only teams ahead of them. No Bills, no Ravens, no Lions. No Dolphins, none of that. No, it is the Rams that are fourth 
only behind the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Niners in EPA per play since week 12 in the NFL. They are coming in red hot. They are coming in where you want a team coming in. And if you're telling me I'm getting the other side of a field goal against a Lions defense that we know, I don't have to tell you, is not good. Legitimately, legitimately not good. A team specifically that you can pass all over. 25th pass defense EPA per play allowed. 25th pass defense success rate allowed. It's just a team that was not able to figure it out at all this season. And I thought, you know, listen, I thought that they would. But if you look, the fourth worst coverage grade over the course of the entire NFL season, according to Pro Football Focus, are the Detroit Lions. And with Matthew Stafford and Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup and all these different guys, Demarcus Robinson, who started at seven, like all, all these guys that are coming in for the Rams and Kyron Williams. Like on the other side of a field goal, I, I'm, I'm, I do not feel like my bet is dead if this team is down ten points. I think we feel pretty good about having the other side of a field goal. Wouldn't shock me if the Rams were able to pull it out right in this thing. Final game: Philadelphia Eagles, Tampa Bay Bucks, and guys, I'm going to swing back around on Monday and give an update on this game because since it is Monday and given the situation where we're at right now, questionably, you know, so many guys hurt for the Eagles and Bucks and things. It's just, it's really tough to get a handicap on this game right now. Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown the ball yet at practice this week. If you saw the dislocated finger, A.J. Brown nicked up, you know, got nicked up in the game as well. Baker Mayfield nursing ribs, now an ankle. There's just all kinds of stuff going on here. It's hard to give an accurate handicap of this game. I can tell you these two teams did play back in week three, but that's almost irrelevant because the Eagles really struggled and stumbled down the stretch. Um, so not a lot to pull from that one other than the fact that Jalen Hurts was able to have some success through the air against this team. So he went for 277 back in week three against this team. A.J. Brown went off. He had nine catches for 131. DeAndre Swift had 130 rushing yards. And so the the offense was able to do something against this Bucks defense. But Baker really struggled in that game, and I'm not carrying that over to this because we know this Eagles defense has gotten way worse over the course of the season. Like, Baker only completed 15 passes in that game for 146 yards. They had 17 rush attempts and only got 41 yards out of it. I mean, there, there's a, it, it was a very bad offensive performance from the Bucks, but fortunately for them, they're going up against a weakened Eagles defense, and so that's something that we can – you know, basically kind of throw out, I would say, that week three game. But it, it's it's at least in the back of my mind that the Eagles offense had an incredible amount of success against the Bucs. There's at least, there is at least that. And it did happen in Tampa. So maybe there was something they saw then that they were able to kind of translate to now. But again, too many question marks to give a real full handicap of this game considering I assume Jalen Hurts is going to be able to throw the football, but he hasn't so far yet. I assume A.J. Brown's going to go, but again, hadn't practiced so far this week. So I assume Baker Mayfield's going to go, but he was ridiculously inaccurate 
I mean, terribly inaccurate in their Week 18 game in which they were lucky to win. And then not only because of his rib injury was he inaccurate, but then he came out of that with an ankle injury as well. So it's just a very tough game to handicap. And again, I'll swing back around on Monday once we get a better picture of what that injury report looks like there for that Eagles and Bucks game. Guys, as always, uh, everything we do on this pod, absolutely free. So do appreciate your support. If you want to go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Also over at VEASAN.com, you can go and take a look at everyone's thoughts on all of these games. VEASAN.com slash picks. That is the picks page over on VEASAN. So be sure and check that out. Um, if you haven't already subscribed, run a special right now, $9.99. You can get an introductory offer and kind of check out everything that we've got going over there with all of that. Guys, um, it's here. It's finally here. We're marching towards the Super Bowl. We're going to figure out who is actually the best team. Are any of these teams going to step out and show that they really are worthy of being the Super Bowl champion this year? Because, man, it has been a wild season of ups and downs and roller coasters and things like that. So we begin it all on Saturday at 430 Eastern with the Browns and the Texans. So good luck on all your bets here on Super Wild Card Weekend. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.